You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. We're talking about the Utah and Washington State and what a heartbreaking game that was for Ute Nation. We have Brian Brown from Ute Zone to come in and give us his thoughts on the game and the program. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And we got Scott. Good to be here. Glad yesterday's over. <laughs> I was heated. I was more mad after that game than the Washington game, to be honest with you. That was tough. That was a disappointing game, um, partly just because through that first half, it brought a lot of excitement back to Utah football. That was a great first half, at least offensively. Defense, uh, you know, obviously giving up 21 points was not ideal, but you, but you have to remember Washington State has one of the most elite passing attacks in the country, and, uh, and Minshew is really good. I mean, he's... We haven't heard of him before. This is his first year at Washington State after we learned through uh, through the uh, the game that he's played on about 12 different teams <laughs> to get to this point. Yeah, I never even knew he was at Troy. I didn't know it was possible to play that many teams, like a free agent. <laughs> but but he was he was incredible and and he's he is very accurate and and he picked that offense up extremely quick. So Tough, tough first half defensively, but obviously settled down uh, in the second half. But so the, to so our offense to, exactly to lose a game in that fashion with penalties. I mean, you had two fourth down conversions on the final drive of the game, called back because of penalties. You have a punt return that puts you up ten points with eight minutes on the clock, called back. Those are tough blows. Those are tough blows for fans, that, and those are tough blows for that team. And I think you kind of saw that on the team. In that fourth quarter, it just, they didn't play with that urgency. They didn't really have that fire that they had in, in the first three quarters, really. Yeah, it really was a tell of two games because I'd, I'd, my grade for that first half would be an A offensively. Second half, it, it looked exactly what we become accustomed to as you fans. A conservative nature, an offense that's going three and out that just really can't produce, at least consistently. Um, so just to tell the two games, um, and credit to Washington State for making some adjustments and forcing Utah to not just be able to run up the gut all day long. So a good game, a lot of positives to take away from that game, but there's still some of those negatives that keep creeping in that are really they're really causing this team to to take that next step. The last two games, we've kind of talked a little bit about the officiating, and and I agree. There's been some some sketchy calls in the last couple of games that have gone against us, but even with that, Utah has still had the opportunity to win those games, and for whatever reason, they can't get it done. Whether it's stupid penalties, whether it's lack of execution, whether it's play calling. I mean, I think. You could point at your finger at any of those as as being a problem, and I, I take it a step further and say we figured out how to stop that their offense in the second half. We got up by a field goal, and Whittingham said, 
Let's milk the clock. Let's run the ball. And it didn't work. But, again, again, this is his MO. It's always been his MO, and it's not working. Well, we don't We don't know. Obviously, we don't know. Did he call off the dogs? Did it look like they called off the dogs? Yes, it did. I mean, it was a very conservative game plan in that second half. They... Uh, the only passing, it really the only passing was to the sidelines, the back shoulder throws that were just not effective all night long other than drawing one uh, pass interference call. But we just continued to run up the gut, and, and Washington State was not going to continue to allow that to happen. They, they were loading the box, and, and what was working in the first half, they were not going to allow that to work in oh, the second half. Oh, they definitely took it away. And, and we just did not make the, the adjustments, and... If 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 the coaches did make the adjustments, then it did not get executed because players there there was no plays made in that really in that second half offensively because let let's be honest we needed we didn't need some great performance offensively in the second half to win that game we needed one maybe two plays that entire second half and you win that game and we we had it we had the punt return and that fourth down conversion that got inside the 10 yard line and both were taken away by penalties twice twice on fourth down yeah did you convert and uh, again so it's just so it you know it's just like this team continues to find new and creative ways to just tear our hearts out (laughs) (laughs) and you know, that was a very winnable game on the road against a good team. And so that's that's where I say, okay, we've got some confidence. The team took a step forward yesterday, even as painful as that was. But at the same thing, you can also look at it and say, great, we took a couple steps forward, but look at the end result. It's the same that we've been we've been seeing week after week after week for really the last season and a half now. Well, and I, I see that point. My only thing that makes me have faith in the future and this team moving forward is we've talked all off season about how young they are. The team's going to learn how to win. And maybe with this game, they're learning how to get a lead, how to stay with that lead late in the fourth quarter. That I don't know if that's the case. That's just me trying to be as optimistic as I can. But I agree. It's it's kind of the same MO we've kind of seen under a Whittingham team. Well, speaking of getting younger, if if things don't improve, we may get two years younger at the quarterback position. <laughs> All right, moving on to Brian. <laughs> All right, so it does look like we do have Brian on the phone with us. And before we bring him on and let you know that interview, it's brought to you by Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. All right, so joining us on the phone now is Brian Brown from Ute Zone and Ute Zone Radio on ESPN 700. Brian, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It's good talking to you, gentlemen. I have to say thank you, first off, for taking time out of your busy evening, jumping on with us. Ute Zone's always having great articles. Dan Sorensen came one up today, uh, putting grades out for every single position. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot but if you could put a letter grade on the game against Washington State for the offense and the defense, where would you go with those? So here's the hard part about this, because when we get reactionary to these games, a lot of it comes about because of what we've seen in the future and, the, and what's happened in the past or the last 14 years, all that kind of thing. So if I take this game and isolate it, it's probably one of Utah's best performances so far this year. So I think on offense, you're probably about 
B, B minus. Uh, they ran the ball pretty well. You know, they threw the ball when they needed to. They, uh, they finished drives, were great on the goal line. Um, things kicked off a little bit there in the second half, and, and losing Will Falamaka, I think, affected some of that. They still managed to fight through. And, you know, they still had an opportunity to win. And it's hard because you can't really disqualify when you hurt yourself with penalties. But for Utah to convert on a fourth and ten like that and get a 36-yard gain, and for Britain Covey to get down to the five-yard line, you know, had they not called the holding penalty, uh, that's that's a chance to go in and score them in the game. So that aspect of it, you know, I, I think it was a pretty good performance. Defense, uh, I'm, I'm going to go B minus C plus with them, simply because I feel like the lack of pressure early on was a little too liberal. Uh, I expected to be, I expected them to send more pressure, to be more dominant with it. So it just kind of, and, and, you know, you can't blitz every play. You can't always send five, six, seven guys. You have to mix it up. You have to keep offenses off balance. But I just, I didn't like how often they only rushed two or three. And when they did, the containment wasn't great. And, and I think for this defense and for the expectations that I have, uh, that, that bothered me. Now, Part of it is just because I do have super high expectations for this defense. It's one of the most talented groups that you guys ever had. So, you know, it's a tough grade. I I think any other defense, this would probably be an A, A minus game for them. But, you know, for for this group, I think it was, I think they could have done better. Taking a look uh, at the offense, um, of the few times they threw it yesterday, they threw several, or Huntley threw several, back shoulder throws to the receivers down the sideline. Is that is that something that he is deciding to throw, or is that a play call? Because I don't know, and I, maybe it's the receiver's fault, maybe it's Huntley's fault. None of those were real accurate balls. Yeah, and so that's a tough one, because I think oftentimes as fans, we want to point at one singular thing and be, be like, that's the problem. That's what's wrong with it. It's this right here. And I think that's partly a, a, sure, a couple different things that are actually wrong with the Utah offense. First one is that Tyler Huntley, um, for all his strengths, is not a, a very great thrower, a passer, I should say. He's, he's kind of a thrower. He's a bit of a chucker. You know, he's got a really strong arm. Uh, he's very good with those, those deep balls in terms of just getting the ball out quick and with some zip on it and things like that. He's not super accurate. He doesn't have the best of touch. He's not you know, um, he's kind of like a power hitter in baseball. You know, he's not like a Tony Gwynn where he can hit for the cycle at any moment. He's going to swing for the fences, and, and that that's kind of who he is. And so that factored in with the way that Kyle Whittingham wants the offense run. They don't throw over the middle a ton. They don't take a ton of deep shots. He, he wants to protect the football. He kind of necessitates throwing some of those awkward back shoulder throws because they're they're safe. You know, and, and again, Tyler's not putting great touch on the ball, so it's part of it is that the receivers have to go get it, and, and so you've just got to be a stud. you got to be a dude, the wide receiver. But the big part of it, too, is just if Tyler throws a good ball for some of those, they're probably a lot more catchable, probably convert a lot more. And then if you're able to open up the field a little bit more and kind of swing the ball around, you know, that, that helps a lot, too. 
Brian, watching that first half yesterday was uh, was a breath of fresh air. Watching that offense, um, obviously, wasn't it though? It really was. I mean, they were running the ball play after play after play, but there was there was aggression there. You could tell what they were trying to accomplish, and yet they were effective in doing so. We we go through halftime. Obviously, Washington State makes some adjustments and they start loading the box, and that really kind of hindered our ability to run, or at least as effectively in the second half. We mentioned Tyler Huntley and his ability, or maybe inability at times, to to be effective through the passing game. So, how does Utah in the future uh, um, combat that, where teams are going to load the box and not allow them to have that type of success running the ball? So again, this is where things get complicated because a lot of how you can combat guys going in the box is running RPOs and zone reads and, and things where you're putting in defenders in the situations where they have to make decisions. Uh, because if you can get a guy to decide either that he has to come down on a, on a handoff or he has to play slow play an option or anything like that, it puts them into a situation where they're a step behind and you should, in, in theory, get ahead of it. I thought the Utah did a really good job of using the jet sweep as kind of a dummy early on and running the, it was kind of like an inverted deal with, Ty, with Tyler where he would just, you know, he'd take that handoff and, and they could have been reading it. I, I haven't had a chance to watch it, you know, in depth like I normally like to do, but it, it seems like it was mostly designed to where he could just pull that ball and go. And he got, you know, he was over hundred yards rushing for the game. Utah was over 200 for the game. And, and so that's good. Uh, if you're going to be primarily a rushing team, you've got to have concepts built off of what you're doing. So, you know, if you're going to run counter, you've got to have something to build off the counter. So whether it's it could be, you know, could be pulled and goes off the counter after you sell it a ton, you know, you've got to run for power. I don't know what what it is that they want to do, but you've got to build more into your run game if you're going to be a three three hundred fifty yard, you know, rushing team a, a, a week or else you've got to just execute in the pass game. Those are the two things that you have to do. And, and play action, RPO. You know, I, I know everybody hates RPO, but it is just <laughs> it's a part of the game. I think people hate how much you hear it, especially if you listen to a Sunday night football. So, but it, it can play a really good role because it puts those defenders in, in flux because they have to make a decision and whatever they decide, they're going to be wrong. If you have somebody who makes the reads accurately, and that's the other part of it too, is that Utah has not been... You know, Tyler's always struggled with reads. He's a very instinctive football player. And so when he has to make decisions based on a read rather than just what he wants to do, he struggles with it. And and it causes hesitation, and hesitation causes disruption in the flow. You know, he's been a lot better this year, but he still has steps he has to go to grow in that. And so I think that's, to answer your question, that's the difficulty of it. Is you've either got to execute well in the pass game when you throw up those three times or so, or you have to build more off of your own game. Hey, Brian, you mentioned how well uh, Utah ran the ball against Washington State. Uh, and part of that was the offensive line, I thought, played really, really well. And then Lowe got injured and goes out. And by the time we're recording this, you know, there hasn't been any official announcement about uh, his injury status and if he's going to be able to go against Stanford. But if he can't go against Stanford, how confident are you with that offensive line? Um, You know, I... It's really hard because I think Lo Falamaka did so much for that unit in terms of the intangible stuff. He was so energetic in the unit, and he was always moving. And he was—he he seemed like 
you know, you can watch the Washington game where he misses the linebacker, but part of the reason that he misses it is because he was selling out so hard to try and help Orlando Mana get movement there. And so <clears throat> it's it's tough to replace him with those intangibles. He was kind of the motor of that unit. And you could see when he went down, their intensity level and, and the leadership just wasn't as strong. Jackson Barton is a great anchor at left tackle, but Jackson is not the same kind of charismatic, energetic leader that Lowe is. He's he's very much a get-your-job-done, lead-by-example kind of a guy. And so losing those intangibles hurts. Now, Nick Ford is a talented athlete. He's a really good football player in terms of the gifts that he has. He needs to get better. He plays too high at times. He's not as experienced as low. So those are all things where you could see, you know, issues appear. And, and you know, Darren Paulo coming off of missing a game against Washington was not as sharp. Uh, and, and, and he hasn't really been as sharp all year as, as I've expected. Uh Darren needs to he needs to start his motor a little bit more. He needs to he needs to get going. And and there are times where you watch that game where he's just kind of standing around watching and he's gotta go out and hit somebody. And and even if you're hitting the wrong guy, you just need to go do something and get in that habit. Because if you get in the habit of watching, you are gonna miss stuff. And that's really where they have to be great against Stanford because Stanford will punish you if you do those kinds of things. So after the game last night, anybody that had uh, or anybody that was uh, brave enough to log on to social media after that game, um, I mean, it was quite the experience. There, is fan, there are fan opinions all over the board on this team, on this coaching staff. And there's after, after a tough loss, people get emotional, obviously, but there's a lot of talk on Whittingham. Has he peaked? What, what's your opinion? Does this team maybe need a new voice? Or or does or does there just need to be some more patience to allow Kyle to continue to to build what he's done so far? Well, you know, until somebody starts paying you the same kind of salary that's commensurate with Mark with what Mark Harlan's gonna you know be making, I probably won't make a call uh, for sure on whether or not <laughs> Kyle needs to go. That's safe, Brian. Very safe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> but I will say this: fan bases know their coaches very intimately especially after 13 and a half seasons, right? You know all their warts. They're, 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 yeah. Every coach has weaknesses. And, and Utah fans are just super aware of Kyle's. And it's that's, Utah didn't play that bad of a game on Saturday. I'm sorry. It, I know that that's probably going to upset some people. They played pretty darn well. The offense in the third, second, and third quarter was rolling. And it was great. And it was fun. And the kids were having a good time. And honestly, if... Orlando Umana doesn't hold, and Julian Blackman and, and Corian Ballard don't both brain fart on one play. Utah wins that going away, and, and none of this is a concern, right? Exactly. So two, two plays, is that enough to get a guy fired? I don't think so, but you've got 14 years of evidence, and so I empathize with people who are sick of it, especially people who throw a lot of money, time, effort, and energy into it. You know, this is we live in an era now where you have so much demand on your time and there's so many different outlets that you can be entertained by, you know, devoting four hours every Saturday and however many hours during the week to something like football is is tough to justify, especially when you're not being satisfied by it. So that's definitely an issue that I think is prevalent right now. 
nothing is, you know, the season's not over by any stretch. I'm not saying that you start going six straight, but they, they can still win the South. All that stuff is still within their grasp for the most part. Uh, the, this team has made progress. They've improved. There's still growth to come. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's getting harder and harder to defend uh, the Whittingham way. But the one thing, and then I'm not the person that's going to say, I, I, I personally, I think Kyle Whittingham can stay as long as he wants. I, I love that he loves the creek. He, he runs a clean program. He, he genuinely cares about the players. He does a lot of good things off the field that to me are super important. Uh, he's a developer. You know, he's built that program into something that's really great. But uh, having said that, there are other people out there that have higher standards in the bands. And, and I'm not going to be the one to tell them that they shouldn't. Because there are reasons, you know, that, that you can't expect more out of Utah football. Uh, the one thing that does pop up my mind, and I'm not, you know, a lot of people come, come with a defense that uh, you can't find anybody better. You can't, you might not find anybody better, but you can find somebody different. And for a few seasons, different could be very good. Uh, but the hard part gets to be is you, you start letting coaches go when they go six and six. Or, or five and seven, or seven and five. Uh, other coaches around the country take notice of that, and they're less likely to come to a destination like Utah. Even though there's a lot of good reasons to come here, it's still kind of in the bottom tier of the Pac-12 in terms of why would recruits go there? Are they really that good? You know, the in-state talent here is decent, but most of the kids want to go out and see something different, and, and you can't really fault them too much. And so. I guess if you're going to ask for Kyle Whittingham to step aside, uh, you just have to expect that things are going to change and be different. And while different could be good for a season or two, it, it may be rough sledding for 10. So, But at the same time, there's probably people who said that, that Ron McBride should stay there forever. And, you know, making a change back then made a huge difference in the program. So. It's it's pretty easy, especially with social media now. To when an offense struggles, I think everybody says the change needs to be made at the quarterback position. That's that's the, kind of the the position everybody goes to. Now, with all the preseason hype of how good this team was supposed to be going into the Stanford game, there's a good chance that they're going to lose and start zero and three. Do you make a change or do you stick with Huntley? <laughs> Man, you guys are asking all the fun questions tonight, aren't you? <laughs> um, we just so, gotta keep you on your toes, Brian. Yeah, I mean it's good. Like I need, I need these kinds of mental gymnastics. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a good thing. I, it, let me watch you through my process. So every quarterback on the roster right now currently has warts. Um, you know, Tyler's warts are that he loves to go for the big play. Uh, he's not great at getting through his progressions. His his mechanics, when he gets nervous back there in the pop, pocket, just kind of go out the window. And he just in, he just kind of been a very instinctual football player, which can be good or bad. You know, when he's scrambling and scrambling well, it's great because he's moving the football. Uh, when he's not, it's it's terrible and it looks really bad. Um, he was much better on Saturday. I, I liked what I saw from him for the most part. He's still missing a few things, and it's the same things over and over again. So as I'm weighing that, I'm thinking, hey, you know, this is game four. We're still not progressing in terms of, of throwing to the the right read or the right progression. We're either looking, you know, 
shallow and, and throwing that right off the bat. They're also going for the big hitter deep. And there are times where there's stuff open in the mid level, you know, and, and they're still not working to the middle of the field as much as I would like, but that's, you know, that's just a personal beef. And, and I, I really don't know if a Whittingham team will ever throw over the middle a ton just because it's the potential for turnover is so great there. But as I'm looking against all that kind of stuff, you know, Jason Shelley is a guy who's very, very, very sound mechanically. He throws a really good ball. He has more touch to the passer. I think we saw that against Weber State. Uh, he is great with his legs. He's, he's very, he's very precise in his reads, but he's five ten, and and that's that's a factor. And then, maybe not so much in college football, but you know, he's still he's still undersized, and, and he lacks experience, and, and so that's something that has me nervous with that. And Jack Tuttle has size, he has athleticism, he throws a great ball. He is an incredibly hard worker, and he is a very charismatic leader. And I feel like guys would really battle for him. But he's a true freshman, and, and this system that Troy Taylor teaches is different from most in terms of they don't focus on coverages and things like that. He wants guys to throw to space, and he wants guys to work through progressions and, and watch watch players more than, than coverage. And, and that can be tough on a new quarterback who's learning, and it, it, it could cause turnovers. So going through all that, I'm going to give Tyler one more shot. Uh, he's on notice. He should know what he needs to do. There's no excuses this time around. You know, there's no reason why you don't need to go out and execute the way we've, we've, we've asked you to do it. And so I'm going to give him one more game. And then if that goes south, then, you know, it, it's, it's us deciding, do we want to start the new era with Jack Tuttle right now? Or do we want to give Jason Shelley a game and see how he does? And then possibly move to Jack. But I think that there, there's just one more game you know, because I still see some progress from Tyler, and so this is, but this is the to me, it's kind of got to be the put up or shut up game. That's a mic drop right there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll leave you on that one, Brian. Thanks again so much for for joining us. Uh, where can people find you um, online and on social media? Uh, I'm I'm actually in hiding online, so you can't find me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my mentions are still probably pretty lit. I. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brown Bear SLC. You can always find me at youthzone.com too. I'll have a, I'll have a film review uh, dropping sometime on Monday. And then I'll have a rewatch diary where I go through the game play by play and just kind of type out my thoughts so people can go and find. Uh, Dan's got some great comment, content up. She's got content coming. Uh, Cam Beck, who's done a phenomenal job for us, will have, have a breakdown too as well of just different aspects of the game. So there's, Plenty of information for people to go and read uh, there at Yeet Zone, and it's great stuff. Uh, you know, and, and personally, I got to say, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and chat with you guys. You know, it's it's fun to be able to talk with you guys. You always ask great questions, and, you know, you let me ramble on and on and on, and it's for me, it's just a blast. I love chatting with you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. And uh, we'll have you again on. Don't worry. We're, we'll always be bugging you to have you on. Good. It's a good kind of, you know, it's a, it's a good problem, as they like to say. <laughs> all right, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot, and have a great one, all right? Hey, take care, guys. Thanks. See ya. Thanks, Brian. Great insight by Brian, as always. If you haven't checked out Zone yet, please do. They, honestly, they put out some great content, and it's consistently, all week long, they're always pumping out new articles. But let's kind of talk about that last question, Ryan, that you threw at Brian and that he gave his opinion on 
when uh, Tyler Huntley only having one more game, do you guys want to see maybe if, if things go sour against Stanford and a, a Jack Tuttle getting more playing time? You know, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to make a decision on that because initially, first thought, yes, we may need we need we need a more accurate passer. We need somebody at the quarterback position that can do more than just run. Um, you've got it. You've got to be able to complete more balls. You've got to be able to attempt more balls than than what we're currently doing. The question is, there's a lot of ramifications that could take place if you bench if you bench Tyler Huntley. We don't know that we're going to get improved play at the quarterback position. More than likely, you're going to see maybe a transfer. Um, how does that affect recruiting? So there's a whole slew of things that can come up by that one decision. So if the if it gets to that point, and we're in my opinion, we're not at that point yet. But if it does get to that point, the the coaching staff better be pretty darn sure that uh, that that change is going to be a positive for the team of that season and the program moving forward. But I can see both sides of it. I can see the frustrated fans that uh, we need more out of Huntley, and I can see those who say, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta give this, give this kid a little bit more time." You know, all fan bases think that the backup quarterback is always the answer. Yeah. He's always the most <laughs> liked guy on the team. Exactly. Yeah, um, and I, he, he's obviously he came out of high school very highly touted, and I think eventually he will be the future of Utah football. Whether that starts in about two weeks from right now, or whether that starts three or four weeks down the road, or doesn't start till next year, I don't know. I, my thoughts in watching uh, what's go, what's been happening recently is you have this massive push by by basically Ute fans on Twitter that says we've got to run the ball. Zach Moss needs to carry the ball 20 to 25 times a game. He carried it, what, 30 times 30 yesterday? 30 times. 30 times. So the, the the coaching staff made a decision that this is what they're going to do. This is their, I quote, identity now, based based off of some comments from the, the previous game. So this is my opinion if you're going to have your focus on a running game you have to have a quarterback that can throw over the top accurately and hit and hit wide receivers i don't think huntley's the guy you brought tuttle in for a reason he's that guy isn't he well it depends on what you want because zag moss gets his 30 carries but tyler followed it up with 17 yeah, you you would lose. I think you would lose that rushing. Obviously, if Tuttle oh, was your quarterback. Oh, for sure, and and that's what I'm getting at is you're 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 going in a different direction. You can continue. You bring Tuttle in, you're going to continue to probably feed Zach Moss the ball 25 times a game. But you're going to throw it more but than 20 times. It, it's going to open up those 17 runs by Tyler Huntley. It's going to open those up to to passing opportunities in the passing game for so a, a Tuttle like. So those 20 attempts he threw yesterday jump up to 37. Yeah, and then you've got a little bit more balanced attack, right? Obviously, th- at this point, this team needs to do what is their strength. And we saw that yesterday. It is running the ball. It's Tyler's strength. It's Zach Moss's strength. It's this offensive line strength. And heck, it, it's probably this wide receiver's strength. <laughs> Let, less passing <laughs> attempts may be better for them, too. But with that being said... 
can you win enough games or can you win consistently if that's what you're going to do? Because if you're going to run the ball, in this case, 47 times, actually, well, excuse me, 50 times when you add the three carries that Shine had, you're going to run the ball 50 times, you better be dang effective. And 200 yards is not a bad total for rushing, but 12 of 20 for passing is not good at all. No, but like, like I said, you look at Washington State, complete opposite of what, of what we did. All they do, they ran, they ran the ball for zero yards. They won a Pac-12 game with zero yards rushing the ball, right? Because they threw the ball 56 times for 31 completions and 445 yards. So they are the complete opposite of what we did, right? They are, the, well, they are one of the best in the country at throwing the ball. They can get away with it. If all you're going to do is run, you've got to be one of the best running teams in the country if you're going to win effectively. You can't be average and run that much. You have to be elite to be able to score enough and continue the drives and be good enough to really score 30-plus points in a game. And, and the question is, are we there offensively running the ball I don't think we're that elite. So so you have to supplement the passing game into it. 118 yards I don't think is, is sufficient enough. No, and I think we're, we're not that elite at running the ball. And I think other teams know. When you run it 50 times, they know what's coming at you. They're going to put eight or nine guys in the box, which they did in the second half, and it slowed down that rushing attack. But they can do that because they know that Huntley doesn't have what it takes back there to complete those other passes but is to it break Hunt- that up. Is it Huntley or is it the wide receivers? It, it's, it's a combination. Well, it's a, I think it's a combination. It's a combination. It, it could be the timing. It could be the routes they're running. It could be the his inera- inaccuracy as a passer. But that's why I say that's why I go back to you have to be a lead at it, right? Wisconsin. Everybody knows what Wisconsin's going to run the ball majority of the time. But they're good at it. The defense knows what's coming week after week, year after year. But with teams like Wisconsin, the dedicated, or Stanford, it doesn't matter if the defense knows what coming what is coming. If you can still be effective and you can out-execute them or out-muscle them, it doesn't matter. But if you can't do that, then you have to rely on a little bit more balance, keeping the defense off balance. They think you're going to run. Bring in a play action, and when you get that play action, you have to take advantage of it. Yesterday, uh, Nakua's running down the side, running down the middle of the field, wide open, two steps on the defender, ball's underthrown. Therefore, it gets batted down. He leads him; it's six points. That's the opportunity. If you're not going to pass the ball all that much, you have to take you have to take advantage of those few opportunities in the passing game that you get each game. If you don't, you're throwing it away. Yogi Roth made a couple of comments during the broadcast yesterday that he said Huntley's got to complete two to three big passing plays, and he had one. But how how low is that bar? Three two I know. to three big plays. Yeah, I totally agree. Two to three, and he had one. So, again, I you know, Tyler Huntley's getting a lot of heat, and, and to an extent rightfully so. He does need more help. He needs more help, in my opinion, at times from the offensive coordinator calling the plays. He needs some more help from his wide receivers. And I will say yesterday, they, 
in the opportunities that they did have, they looked better catching the ball. Not nearly as many drops as we've as we had in the previous three games leading up to that. Um, but Tyler's got to get a little bit more help, and 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 he's got to step up. He's got to he's got to prove that he's the guy that he likes to consider himself. That they talk about. He's got to start proving it. He's play, he's not a running back. He is a quarterback. He has got he has got to improve his accuracy and. And at this point, is that something he can do midseason? Probably unlikely that all of a sudden he's just going to turn it on and and be some uh, um, effective, accurate quarterback out there. I, at this point, he kind of really is what he is. That type of growth is going to happen in an off season, if it's even possible. Some guys are just they're good quarterbacks, but they're just not super accurate, and that's that's just kind of how it comes down a lot of times. So. But can can this coaching staff take Tyler's strengths and make that good enough? That's really what it comes down to. We know what we have in him. Can he? Can those skill sets be good enough? Well, and I think that's one of the big things that Troy Taylor has to do to become a better OC. I mean, we've talked about how he's had to evolve as an OC to incorporate the running game into his play calling. Now can he take his play calling to get his players in better position to be successful? And all that's one thing that's kind of harped on the last couple of weeks is can they put Huntley in situations where he can make throws that are easier for him, where the wide receivers can be in position where they are better at catching the ball? I, and I think we see that on occasion, but it's very it's very infrequent. Like yesterday, I thought that the fourth down play that got called back it was a great call it was a great call well designed well executed covey was wide open coming across the middle the blockers were out in front picked up the necessary first down and more unfortunately it it didn't work out but you see things like that from him but they're not it's not consistent you don't see it often enough no because it's it's run 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 or it's pass 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 and there's just at times there's just not a good blend of that. We don't blend the passing game and the running game. I mean, it was clear as day yesterday. That first half, we're going to run the ball. I don't care what anybody says, we're running the ball. Second half comes and we're all going, "Why are we not running the ball anymore?" And we're passing, we're passing, we're passing for 5, 6, 7, 8 plays. And and we're not mixing the run back into that again to keep them off balance and 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 blend those two a little bit a little bit better. So overall, I mean, Zach Moss had some interesting uh, things to say both uh, pregame and postgame mm-hmm. in regards to the offense and some frustration that the players um, are having. So, and one thing that I thought was really interesting was the confusion. He mentioned how uh, there was just confusing guys not knowing what they're supposed to be doing out there. There's so many concepts. Well, Winningham said they had to waste two timeouts because they had wrong guys in. Uh, and in the second half, it was two timeouts they had to waste because, yeah, guys weren't guys weren't in right. They were problems getting the, the play call Personnel in. Personnel substitutions, exactly. Yeah, there's a number of things. So, I mean, it, 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 if, if things are so complicated where you can't even get the right personnel on the field, then once you have them on the field, does everybody know what they're doing? Because there's so many different concepts in the first three weeks of the season that we saw from the pistol, from uh, um, under center, RPOs, different play actions. You know, we, we, 
we had so many different versions or so many different aspects of this offense that it was clear. Guys didn't really know what they were doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, it's hard to be effective. And I mean, and so to Kyle's point, after the Washington game, he mentioned they needed to simplify things. Zach Moss alluded to that, and, and I think we saw that yesterday. It was it was definitely more simplified uh, offense um, and a game plan. But you're just you're gonna it, it's gonna come down to with that simplification, can they be effective enough in what they're doing? And uh, Stanford's gonna be a big game. You start zero and three in conference play. And, I mean, best case scenario at that point is you're hoping for maybe a Las Vegas Bowl. The the only positive side, if, I kind of anticipate him losing to Stanford, but uh, the only fl- positive side I can see out of that is all the, those three losses are in the north. I, I get that they're conference, conference games and they count against you, but we haven't played a south team yet, so there's still a chance that they could get things going, but... The road they're the road they're heading down right now it doesn't look promising at all. Well, what odds do you guys put on this team to uh, to to be in cont- in legitimate contention end of season to win the South? Probably twenty five percent. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah, twenty five thirty percent. It's not high right now for sure. You know, I don't want to be just a rain cloud over here, but I I think to me that seems a little high. I mean, you look at the schedule. Poo poo you. <laughs> you still got you have Stanford this week. You still have USC. You have an Oregon team. Let's just, I mean, we're not beating Oregon, guys. Um, <laughs> Arizona State. You, look at Colorado. You can have your palms read by Scott after the <laughs> podcast today. Well, <laughs> we, we didn't beat Oregon last year. We weren't even in the game last year against their backup quarterback. So sorry for not having a, tol- a ton of confidence we can beat those guys. But. There's a lot of there's a lot of L's left on this schedule. Now, if it's a big if, if they can get some things figured out and clean up these dumb mistakes that are stopping them, sure. There's a chance. So you're saying I've Lo- got a chance. Lloyd Christmas says there's a chance. I I, I just don't see a big chance that we're gonna be able to contend. USC, with USC's schedule, the wins they already have, it's going to be tough for Utah. I mean, you pretty much at this point have to win out, I think, in order to really contend and have a shot to win the South. Four games in, we kind of know what they are now. Yeah. It's not, uh, you're not looking at two games going, eh, they, they can improve from here. No, it's, well, it's, it is what it is if, at this point. If you guys just cracked my shell open and this was my first time watching Utah football, I'd say, yeah, give them a shot. I know Crack how your shell open. <laughs> I know how this play works. I know how this this thing goes. I we've seen it, right? We can all sit here and go, "Oof." There's a chance. There's a Lloyd Christmas chance that they can pull this together. But we've there's there's also um as Brian said, we know the warts. We know the warts of Kyle. We know the warts of this program. And it's just hard I think for this for this fan base and for for one person in, individually on this podcast to really get my hopes up for a turnaround. So as we uh, kind of wrap up the offense here, uh, we did get an email from uh, Idaho alum. I just want to read it to you guys if you guys have any opinions on it or thoughts. He says, I bet Taylor's wondering to himself, how did I end up here? My career as an innovative pass attack OC is over. If you 
took a look at Eastern Washington playing Washington State two years ago with Taylor calling plays and last night's game, same guy but different team, you would think it was Utah Rugby. Witt got his claws into the OC again, same results. No accurate QB or skill receiver will ever choose Utah if this trend continues. Let's take the mystery out of this. It's clear as day Kyle went into Troy Taylor's office and said, we are running the ball. I've seen what we can do through the passing game. We have to run the ball. There's there's no way that Troy Taylor said, I'm going to run the ball 50 times a game <laughs> on his own. Let's just, let's be honest. So Kyle has influence and he's the head coach, right? So he, he has that ability to, to dictate to his coaches what he wants. So yes, are his claws in there? Yes. So by the end of this season, let, let's say the season continues on the path that it's on right now. You're going to finish with four, maybe five wins and another OC leaves either because he doesn't want to deal with this anymore and he thinks his offense was more suited for someplace else, or after four or five wins, Whittingham goes, well, this isn't working, and, and cans uh, him. And then we go back to a passing-only team. I mean, I don't know. Play Twister at this point to pick your next OC. So thanks for uh, emailing in Ute Idaho alum, and you can always email us at utahmanpodcast at gmail. So I definitely will say the offense got up and down through that game, especially going from the first half to the second half. I think the defense also kind of up and down. The first half couldn't really get stops, but second half really locked Washington State down minus you know one play there at, at the end. What do you guys think of, of the defense performance? You hit it right on the head. The first half was a little a little scary at times. It wasn't the defense that I think we have been used to to watching. Second half, they locked it down outside of one play. Um, and I think maybe some of that had to do with getting Foto back uh, in the second half. Would have had him for the first half had Pac-12 not <laughs> screwed that up. But uh, the first half, they, they were doing a lot of mixing. They'd blitz a bunch, and then they'd drop only rush two or maybe three and there wasn't and then when that's those times they were only rushing two or three he was he had all day to look for for receivers and most of the time he found them the second half was a lot better i bet they, they really picked on blackman and he he kind of failed a little bit I, I think there's way too much overreaction on the defense. I mean, people were up in arms over that uh, over that performance. And yes, was it was it what we expect week in week out from this uh, from our secondary? No, but you, we said it earlier. You, you got to remember we're going up against one of the the best passing teams in the country. Not to mention, it's really the first good passing attack that this secondary has gone against this season. And yeah, it took them some time, but partly to Ryan, to your point, you can't, I don't care who you got back there. You got a bunch of NFL all pros on the corner. It doesn't matter. You can't cover for five, 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And, and there was a number of plays he had that much time sitting back there with no pressure whatsoever, just scouring the field, waiting for somebody to come open. It doesn't matter who you have in the secondary. The the when the defensive line or a blitzing linebacker was able to put pressure on him, yes, it it shut down the play. It way more effective as you would expect. Uh, 
But, and I know you can't blitz every time. You're going to get burned if you do that. But I, I don't think we have an, um, an absolute stud defensive end on either side currently. Um, they can just get to the quarterback mm-hmm. like we had with a Nate Orchard a few years ago. And, uh, again, not ripping this defensive line because it's a, it's a solid group. But they just they were not able to get to the get to the quarterback quite a quite enough. Made some adjustments and then yeah, you get Lucky Foto back in that second half. What a difference! It wasn't oh, yeah. even the same game. Mm-hmm. Lucky was blowing up that offensive line time after time. Washington State's offensive lines getting away with holding on countless oper- countless times, and uh, and the secondary played uh, played uh, pretty well outside of one blunder. That really Blackman, I didn't I didn't think Blackman was all that far out of out of position. He, he you you give up the completion, you you got to be able to make that tackle, and that's where he whiffed. And then Ballard and then, made a poor. And then Ballard's basically riding the horse on the tilt wheel trying to figure out where he went and then that speed just took over and he wasn't catching him and uh you know that's what's unfortunate is you put this negative light this negative light gets put on the defense for that one blunder where that that wouldn't have mattered had the offense been able to score a touchdown or two in that second half okay so before we close uh this game up Scott, you asked Brian a great question, uh, one that's been going around social media. Has Kyle Winningham peaked with the University of Utah? Brian said, you know, he doesn't. he's not getting paid the Heartland money. He can't th- really throw out an opinion right now. I want us, all three of us, to, to offer our opinions. It's a hot topic on Twitter right now. I'll, I'll start us off. Winningham needs to stay. What he's doing is building a culture. It takes time. And yes, he's had over a decade to do it. But not every single coach in the Pac-12 is winning the Pac-12 championship every single year. It's not an easy feat. But every other coach is winning a South title. No, not every other team has. In the South, they have. No, they haven't. Who hasn't won the South? UCLA has not technically won they they've won the South and they played. Wait wait they, wasn't wasn't a team disqualified from winning it that year that really did win it? USC won that. Did they play in the Pac-12 title game or not? Yes or no? Yes. Moving on, Judge. <laughs> Taking that aside, it doesn't matter. That's one time. Correct. Correct. Look, I I am not saying Kyle Whittingham needs to go. Okay. I what he's done for this program and what he has how he has built this program will never be forgotten and there he has he has dedicated his career to Utah football and we are the benefactors for that. But there is an argument out there and I can see the argument and there's a part of me who agrees with that argument that he may have peaked. He has been the head coach at Utah for 13 years which doesn't happen all that often in college athletics anymore unless you are wildly successful. You are a Bobby Bowden. You are a uh, Jim Spurrier. Well, and even even more current, you know, you're going to look at a Nick Saban. You're going to look, I mean, you can't even use Urban Meyer because he jumps around. But there's just not a lot of coaches who stay at one program that long anymore 
And I think there's some reason why is teams can get apathetic towards the voice that is leading them. And I would argue to an extent you can see some apathetic play from this team. I mean, we're we're eight years have been able to unable to ten years to fix this offense and to get it up to par with the other teams in this conference. That that can't be overlooked. But if the teams in the conference are so much ahead of Utah, why do they keep flipping coaches over? If what they're doing is so successful, why do they constantly have coaches coming in and out? It's pretty simple because they have the bad seasons. We have not had the bad seasons, but we also haven't had the great, great seasons either. We're just kind of plugging along in the middle. I would consider five and seven a bad season. There's been a couple of those. There has been, but those are the growing, the he's, early growing. He, he's transitioning of the from from a Mountain West, a Mountain back. West team. I mean, we're we're we were a G five or six team at that point. Mountain West recruiting wasn't up to par, making this big jump. So, to, in my opinion, you throw those out the window, and I don't I don't think you hold Kyle Whittingham accountable for those seasons because you know most coaches are going to struggle making that type of transition. Where I think the frustration in this fan base lies is over just the continued what you would call mediocrity, right? We're good enough to go to a bowl game, but it's kind of a lower tier bowl, and we just we we can't get beyond that, right? We've had four out of the last five years we've legitimately had a shot to win the South title towards the last month of the season. How many times have we gotten it done? It's not all about winning, Scott. Oh, that's right. Oh, yes, Aaron Roderick said stats are for losers. Okay. Um, well, let's pull this up. Since joining the conference, we are 28 and 37 in conference play. That's nine games below 500. We're just going to take a little snapshot of last year and this year. Out of our last 14 games, so last season and so far this season, last year, three and nine. This year, we're 0 for two. Out of our last 11 conference games, we are three out of the last 11. Would you not consider that poor? Would you not consider that lower aspect of the conference? I don't think this argument is about are we a lower team in the conference. I think to me the argument is can we get above that? Can Utah advance in the conference? And under Whittingham, okay, so I think there is. Anytime there's an open position – Especially in the Pac-12, Winningham's name is popping up. If I don't think this, it is if, anymore. I don't. The last the last we heard was USC, right when they when they ended up hiring Clay Helton. Haven't heard anything since, and I don't think you're going to. I I will say this. I spoke to a Arizona Wildcat fan yesterday about this. How Utah fans are turning on Winningham. How are the fans? Are they turning on Sumlin yet? And he said, if the Utah fans turn on Whittingham, we would take him in a heartbeat. Well, of course they would, right? Because look what they're used to. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. Again, I am just, I am painting a picture here. I am not advocating that we fire Yes, Kyle. you are. You're, you're either with us or in the way. Ooh. You want to go that, you want to wow. go that route? I will go that route because that's the type of program that Kyle Whittingham runs. Is that the type of podcast this is, too? 
I, I'm going to piggyback on his story. I was traveling a couple of weeks ago for work, and I was going through TSA in the Portland airport, and I was wearing the Utah shirt I'm wearing right now. And TSA guy sees my shirt and says, who's Utah playing this weekend? And so I tell him, and and I said, are you from up from this area? And he said, no, but I love Whittingham. I'm actually a USC fan from California, and I would take Whittingham in a heartbeat at USC. So would I. If I was a USC fan, I would too. But you want to fire him here because that makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, I look listen, at this. Listen, you, no, 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 you will listen to me. Utah is a very unique situation, especially with recruiting. You got to have someone that's in here exactly. that can you are sell the Keep program. Going. Keep going. No. Keep going. And Winningham can sell the program. Recruiting has continually gotten better year after year after year. It was a big deal to go from a Mountain West to a to a Pac-12 team. Not many coaches can make that transition. Whittingham's done it. So has Gary Patterson. How's that worked out for Gary? He's got two. What has Gary what has he done? Gary, what has he done? Gary has two conference championships. He made the in, same transition Utah did. This so is so why okay, no, never he's made it bait in high school. He's <laughs> He's done it in the in the Big Twelve. Correct. Whoop de doo. <laughs> well, most people would say Pac twelve. Whoop de doo. Right. We are the lowest ranked team of the P five. Okay. Many would argue that the Pac twelve is in a hole at the moment. That hole that we're currently in, we're three for our last eleven. Okay. So if the Pac twelve is not all that strong, and we're still three for our last eleven, that's not good. Because what happens if USC figures out their USC and starts acting like it again? What happens if UCLA starts acting the way they recruit and they start putting up eight, nine, ten win seasons regularly? What happens if Arizona State all of a sudden made a great hire in, in Herm Edwards and all of a sudden they take off, right? If, if some of these schools take off, we are done for. As as it, as we have currently been seeing, we are three for our last eleven. That's just that's not good enough with a low tier Pac-12 currently. And yes, Kyle Whittingham would thrive at USC because if I was named the head coach at USC tomorrow, I could go out and still sign five and four star recruits. Any coach that goes there is still going to get a wealth of talent. Oh, USC fans would have his hide if he ran an offense there like he ran one here. <laughs> Not exactly. And and from the outside, it's easy from an outsider to say, man, that Utah, I'd love to have that coach. They're not watching all of our games. They're not seeing the same things that we're seeing week after week, year after year. They would not put up with this type of offense. Clay Helton is under fire they they won the Rose Bowl last year. They won the Rose Bowl, and the fans are ready to ride him out of town. So I don't think Ute fans are being unrealistic. I to think you find that with any more. fan base, though. I think if Utah won the Rose Bowl last year and went started the conference zero and three this year, you'd hear the exact same thing. I'm not sure they would. Kyle Whittingham's still floating on that Sugar Bowl win from a decade ago. <laughs> Well, it's because they just awarded us the national championships. <laughs> yeah, and a retroactive national title. But like I said, look, I, I can see both sides of it, but I, I understand where the frustration from fans comes in Kyle Whittingham, and has he peaked? I don't know the answer to that, but there's definitely an argument out there that he may have. 
And, you know, all of us could be eating our words in a year or two, and all of a sudden he figures some things out, and we're winning the Pac-12 title. Obviously, it's hard to, to say exactly how uh, how the future's going to go, but we know how the past has gone, and it's just not up to snuff. I don't, and I don't know how you argue. I don't know how you argue that because somebody who was in our exact same situation. Now, granted, they're in Texas, and it's a little bit different. But you saw what TCU was able to do in Gary Patterson, and he made that tr- transition. And they are consistently battling at the top of the Big Twelve. And we are not at the Pac-12 level. At some point, Kyle, in the near future, he has got to do it. He's got to get the job done and stop talking about it. He's got to get the job done or there's going to be more and more pressure. Now, with that being said, Mark Harlan is not going to fire him. There is no way whatsoever he is getting fired at Utah. None. You thought that about McBride, too. Yeah, but I, I, I still think that's different. I... I I don't. I don't think there's a shot that Harlan, brand new AD, is not going to come in and can the most winningest coach, the the coach that's put Utah on the map. As long he, as they keep he will selling not out the that. stadium, yeah. exactly. The only the only way I think Kyle is not our coach in the next next year or two years down the road is if he decides he wants to walk away. So definitely a, a hot topic right now on social media. Scott, Ryan, you guys made some some valid points. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. Uh, let's quickly go into the Stanford Cardinals before we get into our Pac-12 and 12. Stanford 4-1 on the season, coming off their first loss of the season against Notre Dame, 38-17, 14th in the country. Here's the thing with Stanford. They're not running the ball well at all. Only 94 yards a game. And really, if you look at them as a whole offensively, they're only averaging 20 yards a game more than Utah. No, they haven't been playing as well as I think everyone thought they would. Huh. Same with Utah. As kind of a side note on that, I heard, I was listening to the post game. Steve Bartle was uh, commenting that uh, Love left the game injured in the Stanford game last night. Did you hear anything about it? Yeah, I've heard that he's a no-go. That would be, that's actually huge. And I think that's kind of the big question mark with Stanford is their offense, right? It's Bryce Love has been in and out of the lineup all season. It's shocking that that Stanford, I I think, is really similar to Utah right now, trying to find out who they are offensively. Less than 100 yards, as I said, rushing. But I think the big difference between uh, Stanford and Utah is Costello has stepped up in the passing game doing better than what people were expecting um, in that in that realm. Even though Stanford does have a lot of questions offensively, their defense has been phenomenal this year. In fact, their defense was the one that actually led the comeback against Oregon with the blocked field goals, uh, the scoop and score for like 90 yards on the fumble recovery. It really got that game um, going for them. So their defense is outstanding, and, and really I think it will come down to can – the Utah offense show up? That's the question every week, Cameron. Will the Utah offense show up? Well, this, I mean, it'll be a, it'll be a much bigger test for this Utah offense to, uh, to move the ball and to score consistently against Stanford than, than Washington State. Stanford does, as, as you alluded to, Cam, has a much better defense. Um, but they also don't have the offense that Washington State has. So you're going to, you're going to see some give and take in that regard. 
not having Bryce Love would be a huge hit for them. Obviously, I mean, anytime you take a Heisman hopeful out of out of the the equation, that that's going to hurt. So, really, our rush defense so far this season has been really good, and I. I there's there's a part of me that I'm I'm more optimistic going against a ranked Stanford team than I was going up an unranked Washington State. I just think it fits it fits us so much better. We've only lost to Stanford once since we've been in the in the conference, which was last year. Yeah, looking at looking at the stats from yesterday's game of Stanford Notre Dame. Granted, Notre Dame's the number eight. <laughs> well, we're the number eight team. That may change. They may jump up, but they actually dropped two hundred and seventy two yards of rushing on the Stanford defense. That's pretty impressive. So maybe there's some holes in that Stanford defense that Moss can run through. Yeah, and, and, and this is going to be a game where if you blink, you may miss a whole half of football because it is going to be Little League style. <laughs> it is going to be a running clock. There may be 10 passes thrown total in this game. It's just both teams are just going to throw, or excuse me, just run and run and run. Well, if an 8.30 kick, if we're in bed by 10.30, I'd be at 11. Yeah, it, it may be possible this week. <laughs> so Pac-12 after dark may be a quick one. All right, so before we give our picks of the Utah-Stanford game, let's hurry and go into our Pac-12 and under 12. And that's brought to you by our sponsor at Doubletree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800. To start off our Pac-12 and 12, let's go ahead and give a recap of the games this past weekend. UCLA falls to Colorado 16-38. to UCLA is a mess. Holy crap, Chip Kelly has no control of that team. Players' dads are calling him out. They have quarterbacks transferring out. And they don't, I mean, they don't look like they care. The team that's on the field, there's no fight in them. And that and that's a team full of four, five-star kids. I it, guarantee you their fan base is more distraught than ours is right now. Would you think ours is bad? I'm sure they were they were on cloud nine getting Chip Kelly and then... Yeah, they were throwing parades just for the hire, not even for fake national championships. As we said earlier, Stanford lost to Notre Dame 38-17. to That was a game I think the Pac-12 really needed because they don't really have any big marquee games at a conference, but Stanford fell short. Granted, Notre Dame is, is a great team, but I was hoping more out of Stanford there. And as you said... Bryce Love left the game with the injury. Who knows if he can play this week. Uh, if he can't, that that's a, a big hit to the Stanford offense. Washington shut down BYU 35-7. to BYU only crossed the 50 once. They only got a touchdown off of a muffed punt uh, and had it like at the 10-yard line, line with a minute left. So Washington played outstanding. I think Jake Browning threw for 90%. He only had two incompletions. A phenomenal game uh, by the Huskies taking care of the Cougars. Herm Edwards and Arizona State gets a win over Oregon State, 52-24. to I really don't know where this Arizona State team is. but that's I don't know where the Oregon State team is. <laughs> Oregon State, man, that, that program, they're taking a long time to turn that around. Why aren't they on our schedule this year? Because the Pac-12 hates us. <laughs> USC goes down to Arizona, comes away with a 24-20 to victory. Arizona didn't show up. 
for the beginning of the game. I think and, they got and, down. And I know we'll get. Nothing I early, think we'll right? get to this later. But didn't you both pick Arizona? I, I was remember. I was blinded <laughs> by their game against Oregon State the week prior. Uh, USC continues to to get better each week, and, and Arizona, man, that you got to feel for that fan base. A lot of hype coming in the season with Khalil Tate, Heisman hopeful, not having the season that that they want. And the last game, Oregon, forty-two to twenty-four against Cal, a bounce back win uh, after the. Stanford game that they let uh, fall through their fingers. Oregon is another team that I, th- I think a lot of people thought they were they would be decent. Uh, I didn't know if people. I don't know if people thought they were going to be this good this early under the new coaching staff. So when Utah plays Oregon in a couple weeks, that one could be a really really tough matchup for the Utes. So as we go into this week's games, uh, we pick winners. Kind of give a rundown of where we are in the standings. Scott, last week you went four and zero. I went two and two. Ryan went one and three, as usual. So on the season, Scott's thirteen and six. I'm eleven and eight, and Ryan is six and thirteen. Running away with it, and no, no bogus block in the back is going to bring this back. So the first game of the week, Arizona State is traveling to Colorado. Colorado's a two point favorite right now. It's my week to go first for these games. I don't know if we know who this Colorado team is yet. Their best win on the season is Nebraska, and Nebraska just keeps proving that they have a lot of issues, even bringing Frost in. Well, well Colorado's uh, opponent's record uh, so far is 1-14. and So they, they, they've beaten a lot of really bad football teams, but, but they have looked good in doing so. That's how you want to look when playing those teams. But again, Colorado hasn't played anyone really yet. This will be a good test for them against Arizona State. I'm not high on Arizona State and Herm Edwards. But going into Colorado, I I think the Sun Devils get the victory. I'm going to go ASU. Brian? I'm also going ASU. I think Colorado gets their first loss this week. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, ASU as well. Even though Colorado is undefeated. Um, I think just the fact that they haven't played anybody is going to be a big step up, so I'm going to go with the Sun Devils. And the next game, Washington traveling to UCLA. Washington's a 21-point favorite going against the Bruins. I don't think this game is close at all. I'm taking the Huskies. There's no doubt about it. Washington's coming away with a big win there. I'll go I'll go with uh, the Dirty Huskies as well. Any anytime you've got an, uh, a team endorsed by the conference commissioner, you gotta you gotta pick them. And Washington State, a team Utah just saw, is traveling to Corvallis to take on the Beavers of Oregon State. Washington is a fifteen and a half point favorite. I think this one could get ugly. I'm gonna go with the Cougars. I'm gonna go with the Cougars too. But this is probably one of those games that the Leech Leech has a t- team a game every year that just you're like, how did they lose that? This could be it, but I'm still going to pick him. I am going to go. I'm going to go with uh, the Cougars as well. And then the last game of the Pac-12 teams, Cal is at Arizona. Arizona, I'm actually surprised by this. They're favored by a point and a half over the Cal Bears. Arizona, you kind of screwed me last week. I'm not taking the Kool-Aid this week. I'm going with Cal. I am going with Berkeley. Berkeley's going to do it this week. Yeah, I'll go with uh, the Trey Huggers this week. I think they get it done. 
Okay, so that will do it for the Pac-12 games. Uh, as we finish this podcast out, Utah's traveling to Stanford to take on the trees. I think this game's going to be pretty close. I think it's going to be low scoring. I'm going to say Utah wins 20 to 17. I just I, I, don't know. I haven't seen anything yet from Utah to say they're going to win, so I'm I'm actually going to pick against them this week. I'm going to say Stanford wins 24 17. Yeah, I think this is uh, kind of going to be a lower scoring game. I uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go with the Utes though. I I like the matchup. I think the Utes are going to be extremely hungry and and extremely desperate. So I I'm going to go with Utah uh, 27 um, Stanford 21. All right, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum the letter N Feather. And Scott, you can find me at Uteman underscore Forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you can find a podcast, we are there. And you can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be tell a decade. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Remember how smooth everything went when it was just you and me, right? <laughs> yeah, but you guys wouldn't be able to battle because you'd just be talking to yourself. <laughs> oh, what? No. It. Ryan didn't have to feel like someone was going to yell at him and yeah, belittle him for his opinions. He was able to freely express himself. I came with a laptop and a notepad that night. And <laughs> where did it go? Well, well there's no point when you just talk all the time. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, somebody's got to get off the fence. Otherwise, it's a pretty boring podcast. And we should just change the show. This is the Scott show. Oh, please. And like, you know, we're like we're like the Danettes. Hey. <laughs> the Scottettes. I gave you guys a chance. You both decided you wanted to stay on your team over there. So you... You deal with your L however you wish. So we're over an hour. I will delete half of what Scott said, and we'll have about a 15-minute podcast. (laughs) Here's the deal. I would expect nothing less of you, Cam. (laughs) Hey, just because you're so bitter, you just took another L. There's nothing I can do for you. (laughs) 